Astro Pilata and I am an engineer by day and belly dancer by night. Recently I was named as one of the top young engineers in the UK, which was not something that I could have ever imagined when I was younger because, well, engineers normally look nothing like me. So in this series, I will interview some badass engineers who smash through those stereotypes. In this episode, my guest is the founder of Elvi and my CEO, my boss, Tanya Bowler. Episode 8 of Badass Engineers, uh, sponsored by RS Grassroots Education, Powering Tech, Empowering Youth. I am Shukulata, your host, and today I have Elvi's CEO, who is also my boss, Tanya Bowler, um, who I'm going to wait for to join. Uh, I think there's going to be some uh, technical difficulties. Hello, friends. Thank you for joining. Um, so I'm really excited to speak with Tanya Bolo today, who is the CEO and founder of LV. Hello! Hi! Hi how, how are you? How are you? Good. I'm so excited to be on this. I'm really excited. <laughs> I'm, I'm nervous because you're my boss, but I'm really excited. <laughs> How's your day been? Oh, you know, normal lockdown, working from home. At least the kids are back at school now. But yeah, you know what it's like at LV. It's always pretty busy, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so I wanted just to start with a quick introduction about yourself. Would you like to do that? Yeah, I'm Tanya and I started LV over seven years ago. Uh, and I'm not an engineer by background, but I run a tech company now for women's health. Uh, but we have a background. Yeah. And I know we're going to talk a bit about that today, but you know, I have a strong background in STEM and you know, just made that kind of leap into tech and never regretted it since. So yeah, we create connected devices, uh, hardware, software component, and obviously firmware and all the electronics, which I know is your your passion and area. Um, My jam. <laughs> which deal with neglected issues in women's health. Mm -hmm. So first off, um, we'd solved the problem of pelvic floor health. So before LV Trainer, there was this horrible medical device. You literally shoved it in your vagina, hooked up to machine. And as you clenched, you could see... Uh, your pelvic floor on a monitor. So I thought, why can't we have something really easy to use at home, uh, simple, fun, five minute workouts. And then once we launched that product, I kind of recognized that basically all technology for women is just, it just sucks. It's just horrible. Yeah. And nothing epitomizes it as bad as the, the breast pump. So I don't know how many guys are familiar with the breast pump, but before LV pump, uh, noisy, cumbersome, difficult to use, basically zero innovation for decades. So we reinvented it and it's silent, uh, put in your bra, let go, does it for you. It's amazing. And I, I've actually, I've met women who have PTSD from the sound of breast pumps. And I, I had no idea it was such a, such a serious problem. Thank you for creating such a beautiful place to work in such a, a place that literally changes millions of people's of, uh, lives around the world. It's really beautiful. How are you finding it? It's really nice. I love... Um, I love that we can use emojis on a daily basis. I love that. I love how casual the culture is. And I love that people are really passionate about what they do. They're not just going to a company because, you know, that's what pays them. It's because we want to change the world. Um, and I love how you treat us. Thank you for the free wine and the free food. <laughs> <laughs> free food. Didn't know about that one. Today. Loads of free food, corn, sausages, everything, guys. Everything we can order stuff. And um, get better offering in Bristol than London. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. Actually, we do have the, the better office in Bristol, don't we? 
Uh, we're very democratic. But I'm, I'm in London, guys. Actually, we don't even have an office in London, but uh, anyway. But yeah, for those, yeah, we've opened up this R&D facility in Bristol, and it's just an amazing state-of-the-art facility. Um, very exciting, and hopefully we'll be home to about 100, 150 engineers. Hopefully lots of female engineers, too. Hopefully, that would be amazing. Is, are we going to allow to have uh, visitors? Uh, yeah, if we will be allowed in the office. <laughs> okay, cool. Well, hopefully. I, um, I can't wait to show all of my friends around. Um, so I have people's questions in this bag Ooh. and we just go at them at random and try to answer as many as possible in 20 minutes. How do you feel about that? Oh, wow. Speed, speed questions. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> These don't have to be speed questions. If, we, if you feel you want to answer more uh, about one question, that's totally fine. I'm teasing. Let's go for it. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's do it. Okay. So I have a theme song that's ever changing for this uh, for this show, and this is it today apparently. Okay, so this question says, "I read in Invisible Woman that investors were too disgusted by the products and even refused to touch them. Can you tell us a bit more about that? Did that happen?" Oh yeah, I mean absolutely. I mean also sometimes you'd have investors who'd be maybe touching it and didn't even realize that it went inside the vagina. I mean, I don't know where they, they thought it went on the wrist or what they thought. <laughs> it's a um, pelvic floor trainer, literally. Yeah, I mean, look, the reality is most tech investors are men. Tech is generally dominated by men, um, even at, and actually in an invisible women, which is such a great book. You know, only 4% of all medical research is focused on women's health. So it's completely neglected. There's been no innovation, no money, nothing. Uh, and in the early days, yeah, we would, you know, take out our wares to take out the pelvic floor trainer. And you can, it was kind of an instant test, like how not just male investors, but anybody, even at, even at interviews for recruitment would take out the LV trainer to see how people could interact with it. Because some people could talk about it, but couldn't touch it. And some people just sort of flinched immediately, yeah. um, which is obviously an immediate test for us that this person wasn't the right person for LV. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, we've been doing some interviews recently and we'd be like, so this goes into the vagina and then see how people react. Yeah, it's very binary, right? I mean, now, it's funny because now LV's become, even within the tech sector, right? You know, we've won so many awards and everybody's loving the, the woman's side of the story and, and all the rest of it. But um, early days, people were like, oh my God, what is that weird vagina tech company? And we were kind of shunned. I mean, I think if anything, women and consumers got it more than the tech, which is understandable right because we're solving a problem um for women uh, yeah. so but but it's very binary so basically people who came to work at LV were either just what well, I think you wouldn't apply to a job at LV but if you did it meant you were the kind of person who's very strong feminist and really behind the cause but yeah. hopefully we keep that you know we're growing so quickly right we're now more than 200 people but I think the key thing is to keep that culture keep that mission uh, and that sort of drive behind everybody are you finding that difficult to grow and at the same time keep that culture uh, it's always challenging, right, as you grow that quickly, it's, it's, you've got to keep the DNA of what makes you so special uh, mm. as a team. But I think what's been really hard is COVID, to be honest. We've had, what, 80 people join in the last year and haven't even met most of them. Yeah. But, you know, we are, you know, a lot of brands, I think, are not that authentic. You know, they will say they're mission-driven, but I think, I don't know what your experience is at LV, but because everybody, we did a survey recently, like more than 70% of people at LV said they, they cared more about the mission than they did about profit. So it's kind of the reason people come to work there. So uh, I think we'll keep hold of it. We'll make sure. I hope so. I really hope so. It'd be amazing to be big and also keep that culture. It'd be amazing. It'd be beautiful. Are you ready for more questions from oh, yeah, yeah. All right, let's do it. What does this one say? 
Okay, this question is from Georgia Thomas and it says, I would love it if you could ask Tanya, why do you think there is a lack of female leadership in the engineering industry? That's a good question. Yeah, yeah, good question. I mean, look, if you think, I mean, I never put engineering broadly within STEM, right? There's generally lack of, lack of women. And I think it, it comes down fundamentally to one thing, right? Which is a huge thing, which we're all trying to, to, to break, which is social bias, right? And it happens from such an early age. You know, I have a young daughter uh, and I can see it on TV, school, uh, role models, all of that creates quite a negative cycle. And if you look at the data, you know, you can see girls, you know, even at middle school in the US, 75% will be really excited and carrying on uh, studying STEM. And that rapidly drops off as they get older. And even actually, if you look at university degrees, uh, I think, you know, women who potentially could be doing engineering are choosing subjects which are a bit more on the caring side, social side. So 54% of undergraduates in the US um, uh, uh, studying psychology are women versus 20% for engineering. And actually, when you look at it like that, it's funny enough, I'm very much in that bucket myself, right? So I was always, you know, ex, you know basic math. I love math. My dad was a math teacher. I remember even when I was doing GCSE. I remember that. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I remember Mr. Green, my math teacher, was like, Tanya, when you go to university, you must study maths because none of the girls at the school ever go on to study maths. They always change their minds. I was like, I'm definitely going to go and study maths, right? Yes. <laughs> no, but then I like, turned 16, got a boyfriend, and I just thought it was really uncool, and I went and studied psychology. So, and did it, you actually feel it's uncool? Did you feel, oh, yeah. math is uncool? Really? Wow. Definitely. Uh, and it's a very British thing too, right? Like, yeah. fine enough, the head girl in my year is Hayatun Salem, who's now the first ever female head of the Royal Academy of Engineering. So that's oh! big. She's amazing. And I was watching her talk. I met her again last year. And she was saying one of the problems for engineering is particularly in the UK, right? Because yeah. you say to somebody, engineer, they think, oh, someone's going to come and fix your boiler, right? <laughs> yeah. But my partner's French. And in France, you're doing engineering, doing maths is like the highest, is, is held in the highest regard. And in this country, somehow, it's almost got a PR problem. We need to kind of rebrand it a bit as well. Maths has a PR problem. I love this sentence. Yes, <laughs> I, I'm actually, I'm really glad you brought this up because in Egypt, where I was born and raised, um, it's, it's a completely different story. About 42% of people studying engineering are women. So we've got, That's yeah, great. we've That's got great. lessons to learn from Egypt. We've got yes. lessons to learn from Egypt, friends. And also what you also see is like in California, I think the US is a little bit ahead of the UK on this too, right? They, they recognize it's a funnel, right? So they've pushed so heavily. And I think, I can't remember the stats, but computer science, like, those numbers have gone up massively. And then you just need to move women through that funnel because also as women get through the university, there's no role models, right? If you can't see it, you can't be it. Um, exactly. it, it sort of just creates this, 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 virtue, this negative cycle. Well, why, why did you, you decide to become an engineer? Well, I, I, I actually didn't know it was called engineering. I just thought it was magic. I remember like watching kind of TV and, and, you know, back in the early 90s, they were really big. So I thought there was tiny people living inside it. That's why they're on the screen. Like, that's the window to the tiny people. And then when I grew up a little and realized that it was electronics, I was like, cool, like, this, people make this? I want to be able to make this. But I didn't know it was called engineering. And I think if somebody introduced it to me as engineering, maybe I would have never really been interested <laughs> in it, you know? Yeah. I can see a lot of comments. I'm sorry I've been ignoring you guys. I'm just super excited about the conversation, but I can see some really beautiful comments. Hello, E5 group. They're saying emoji and memes. 
just must make up the office life, but I agree. Um, Just Chief says, yes, speed rounds, and also <laughs> commented earlier about me being nervous interviewing my boss. Um, and Mayarine says, love the LV Cup. I'm really interested in the pump. Would you like to tell us a bit more about the pump to, um, to answer Mayarine's question? What the pump's like? Yeah. Yeah, so... Again, maybe because my yeah, my background is not engineering. So I really approach the problems as a woman. And I, even though at that time, I didn't know much about product management. And as you know, we now have a very rigorous product management and user research functions within LV. But just you know, very much making it, I intuitively made it very user-centered. So as in, breast pumping is never really going to be as easy or as, as breastfeeding. But you know, what if we could have something completely silent, put in your bra and, and the app does it for you or just make yeah. it as easy as possible. Um, now, even with the first product, I had an idea of what I wanted to achieve, but there's absolutely no way that I would know how to achieve it. Um, but as you know, we've got an incredibly talented team of engineering. So John O'Toole, our chief product officer, and Ben Levy, our chief technology officer, and they are men. Um, and they, they, you know, they're absolutely amazing at developing incredible products for, for women. And that's another debate. But they, they were able to come up with a vision on how to make this as easy as possible. Uh, and actually, the key thing that we did was most breast pumps rely on, you know, a typical rotary model. Um, so yeah. uh, motor. So it's kind of noisy and it restricts how much you can miniaturize. So they had the idea to switch it out for a piezo pump which, uh, you know, it's tiny and it vibrates 10,000 times a second. And I love it. allowed us to be able to, to miniaturize and go really silent. And then just completely fit the way you think about breast pumping, which obviously once you do, it seems so obvious, but at the time nobody else thought about it. Like even the bottle, why not just design it so that it could fit in the bra ergonomically yeah. look like a breast. So it kind of has a similar shape to a, a breast. You put it on, adds, adds to your width by about one cup size. Um, so it looks like you have obviously much larger breasts, but otherwise it's quite discreet. And, and yeah, it's, it's amazing. It's revolutionary. I see, I know there are more comments and more questions, but I wanted to visit another question from the bag maybe and get back to the comments. How do you feel about that? Yeah. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. <laughs> what does this one say? So this one is from Lara McGuggan and it says, what was the moment when you realized you could take the leap and found LV? I would love to know the answer yeah. to this question. Such a good, you know, everybody always thinks like this is light bulb moment and you wake up in the middle, you know, whatever, and you just decide. But it was a much more cautious approach. I kind of had the idea about the problem. I remember reading some books, thinking it was too hard, coming back to it, doing a lot of research. A lot of you know ideas I had which didn't really work. Like I had an idea for service model, so it took a long time to keep building on something which I thought had something to it. But there were some light bulb moments, and I remember reading The Economist one night and reading at the time how wearable tech there was like a real uh, innovation um, step change because of things like tracks, accelerometers, and new ways to, to measure uh, muscle motion. And I thought, well, why can't we use that for pelvic floor? So a couple of ideas on how and what might be possible. Uh, but I think the real moment, because you obviously told people and they also... That is great. engineering though, Tanya. Like, I hope you see yourself as an engineer as well. <laughs> well, you tell John that, because I used to wake up at two o'clock in the morning thinking about like the problems with the roll bar. And then I realized I'm not quite trained enough. But yeah, I'm, I'm creative. I'll, I'll let John know. I'll let John know. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I can say the, the, the real eureka moment, I think, was even though everyone said, yeah, it's great, you should do it. I wasn't really sure. 
And then I applied for an innovation competition. Um, I remember being at a conference, tech conference that morning, like learning, learning stuff. And I just remember picking up my phone and it said, you've won a hundred thousand pounds. Like, because that was the moment where I was like a team of, you know, judges, experts had looked at my ideas and said, yes, you know, here's a hundred thousand pounds. And that was like, it was amazing. Cause I knew at that moment that I was going to quit my job. Yeah, that's amazing. So you, you needed to get to a place where you can have this sort of money in order to take that decision. And I guess you were able to get that sort of money from entering a competition. So is this the sort of advice you'd give people who want yeah. to do something similar? Look, you're always taking a big risk, right? But it's not yes. just this idea of, you know, look, just leap in a kind of un, un, um, unassessing way. You need to really judge the risks. And actually something that somebody told me once was, you need to also plan for if you fail. Everybody gets excited, oh, I'm going to create this big, you know, incredible company. But you need to at least know that you're going to be okay if you fail. Yes. So we need some security. So for me, actually, I was already like in a really senior position at, at Mary Soaps International where I was working. So I knew like, okay, I'll give this a go. And if it doesn't work, I'll just go back to my job. I also did that, that typical thing women do. Where I was like, I'll have another baby and I'll take maternity leave so that I can go and start this idea I have for LV. And actually the story, which I, I don't share so much is I actually, um, I had a miscarriage and I was more upset that I couldn't leave my job to start LV. And then I realized like, how messed up is this? And it was very much, I don't know if you read Lean In by Sheryl Sandberg. Yes, I have. Very yes. many women make career decisions based on when they think they're going to have babies. Yes. And that's when I thought, well, what am I doing? I can't just wait to have a baby before I start LV. I should just start LV. Oh, and I'm so glad you have. But then I had a baby too, so it was quite full on. <laughs> right now. I love your photo with, with your children. With one yeah. child, more than one child? I don't know much. I've got two. They're a bit two. older. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just, because um, I remember sharing a picture with you and I think maybe your daughter um, and then just another picture of you and I just like loved putting, you know, the term CEO and these are the pictures because it's just so powerful. You know, we, we live in a world where it is powerful, it shouldn't be powerful, but it was just such a powerful image. Thank you. Okay. Um, ooh, <laughs> we're, we're starting to run out of time, but I'll just go through some of the questions in the comments. Um, so Roxy says, hi, I love this conversation. Thank you, Roxy, I love you. Um, Mayor V. Ozturk is asking, I want the LV catch in the Netherlands. Will it be in stock in the Netherlands? Oh, I need to get back to you on that one. <laughs> no problem. We'll get back to you on that one. We're not currently selling in the Netherlands, I don't think, but we should be. So I'll find out when, when we're on a global domination plan. So I'll, yeah. <laughs> Take over the world, Tanya. <laughs> Um, and Roxy says there is a negative stigma around women breastfeeding in public. I have been really into the history of women and women of colour regarding breastfeeding. Are there educational opportunities with LV? That we want to work on ourselves, you mean, as LV? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, I've looked into it. I know I'm um, actually a friend, the person who started the creative at LV, they've been big campaigns, particularly in the US. Um, because breastfeeding rates are so much lower amongst women of colour and particularly in, um, yeah, in certain communities. So it's not something that we've looked at, well, from an educational point of view yet, but yeah, we should. As you know, we look at all, all issues to do with discrimination, be it race, gender, and the rest of I it. Know. I know, I remember, so we, when we had, we had a big company-wide BLM uh, meeting and I was actually quite nervous because I didn't know what was gonna come out of it. And I thought maybe what was gonna come out of it is, you know, 
don't engage with social media. Um, and what happened was the complete opposite. And I remember you or somebody else who was leading the meeting just saying, you know, silence is not an option. So I just love all the ethos. I love that we put our hands in everything and just fight for against discrimination. But I remember you shared your kind of personal story there too, right? Which kind of inspired me. Now I'm biracial and uh, you know, it was confusing growing up and it's something I don't, haven't talked about that much, but you inspired me to talk more about it as well. <laughs> Thank you. Guys, did you hear this? I inspired my CEO just saying. <laughs> um, shall we take one more? Do you have time for one more? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, let's take it from the back. Da -da 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 -da. Okay, what does this one say? Oh, so this one is from Roma Argowell, who is one of the engineers who designed the shards in London. Um, and she says, I, I'd love to hear a bit about why the history of breast pumps is full of men. Are there any historical women you know about that contributed? You're a historical woman that yeah. I know yeah. about that contributed. Oh, yeah, not, not, not that old. <laughs> no, but you're making history. You're making history. Oh, that's very sweet. Um, yeah, no, you, you're absolutely right. Like The people who really created the modern day breast pump uh, are two men, and they're kind of behind two of the biggest companies we know today, so Medela um, and Amazer. And I think they literally, the, the story goes that they were like out camping and they had the idea, why don't we take what is, you know, the cow lactation device and, um, and design it for women. Mm -hmm. So it has mostly been dominated by men, which is not a surprise given how awful that product is and how uncomfortable, as in, mm -hmm. I think if women were designing it, I don't know if it would have been that bad. Um, but there is actually one inspiring woman I met a few years ago, I was lucky enough to meet, who's Celia Atkins. And she and her husband started Event. So Event was actually one of the biggest breast pump, breast bottle companies. Although she wasn't the engineer, it was her husband who's the engineer, but she was the right. business brains. But I suppose similarly to me, as a woman breast pumping, I actually recognised that the milk bottles were very difficult with a small, small rim. So she kind of had the ideas there, what problems to solve. And, and that's turned into a really successful company. Uh, they sold for half a billion to Philips. Although since they've sold to Philips, dare I say, there's not been much <laughs> innovation. So successful financially, but I think, uh, I think it, it, it teaches the lessons of what happens if you set out too quickly. You yeah. need freedom to keep innovating keep doing really what you want to do i had no idea about this i'm gonna go and read up about that right now um thank you so much for your time thank you so much for making time for me um and i've been so 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 inspired and i'm really excited to make more history with you and thank you everybody who's joined today um i'll see you in another two weeks for another badass engineers Great. thank you everyone for joining thank you very much